Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 14 of the Commando Voice. On this episode, I interview a local fiddler, a member of the South End String Band, and the first musician to grace our first Fridays. Please welcome Julie Campbell. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice Podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, I get to speak with Julie, and we kind of go all over the place. We start off talking about her career as a school teacher for many, many years, and then we branch off and talk about how she got involved with music, how that's influenced her life, and how she's been able to actually blend her love of teaching with her love of music. Um, The other thing I want to mention about Julie is she's actually the very first musician we ever had here on the podcast, not on the podcast, at our first Friday event, which we have on the first Friday of every month. We have live music from five to seven. And during that time, we do 25% off our bakery goods. And uh, it's just a great time to come hang out, hear live music, um, So she was the first one to join us for that. So just a big thank you to Julie for that. Um, But yeah, uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Julie Campbell. Hey, Islanders, it's Brandon with the Camino Voice. And today I'm here with a local fiddler, a member of the South End String Band, and the first musician to grace our first Fridays. Please welcome Julie Campbell. Thank you very much. Happy to be here, Brandon. Good. Well, I'm so glad that you could join me on the podcast. Um... So before we get started with everything, tell us a little bit about Julie Campbell. Well, I've lived here on Camino for a little over a year, and I absolutely love it here. Um, And I won't get too into detail. I know some of your later questions are going to ask me where I like to hang out and things like that. (laughs) Let's suffice to say, I really, really am enjoying being here. Um... Big transition a year ago. I got married. And Congratulations. My hu- Thank you. My husband, Mike Hilly, has lived on the island for over 20 years. Wow. Okay. So we met through music and bluegrass music. More on that later, I guess. Uh, and over a year ago, I decided to relocate up here and that sort of came around with our marriage and our new life. Where I moved from couldn't be more different than Camano Island. I lived for 28 years in the heart of Tacoma, Washington. Oh, okay. And I'm sure many people feel this way. It's kind of hard to get down there now because of all of the I-5 traffic that certainly worsens as you approach Tacoma. Right. Um, You're right in the heart of that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, But I do still have a house down there, and I've got two daughters. My younger daughter lives in the house with a couple of her friends who rent, and so far, so good on that one. Nice. My older daughter uh, lives in Bellevue and works in Seattle. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's my... Those are my kids. Um, 
Mike's got two grown sons who live in a house up in Ferndale, actually. Okay. Uh, in a house with a set of two other brothers. <coughs> so anyway, um, yeah, we met through music, and that's the wonderful thing about bluegrass music is I don't know that I'll ever be hurting for friends. Yeah. Music brings people together all the time. Um, and then I myself am actually the ninth of ten children. Really? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, part of a great big family. And believe it or not, even though we have our differences, we all get along. That's awesome. And go to a different interesting place every three years for a family reunion. So, okay. What yeah. are some of the places you guys have been to? Oh, my goodness. We have been to Maine, the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. I've been out there. It's beautiful. It was a great family reunion. We take a whole week and and usually a year, sometimes even close to two years in advance, we actually book the houses um, because for... All of us and our our kids, and many of us have kids who have families, um, cousins, whatnot. We need to have many houses rented. Yeah, so and you have to have been, good planning for everyone to get out yeah, there. Yeah, well, and a very special one was last summer in Northport, Michigan, which is... Um, in Michigan, they call that area up north, which okay. is different from the UP. Um, it's the Leland Au Peninsula. It's near Traverse City. Okay. And it was there on the shore of Northport, Michigan, that Mike and I got married. Oh, With very my cool. entire family wow. present, all my siblings and kids and everything. So that was very special. We've had a couple of reunions out here. Um one at Black Butte, Oregon, and one in Sun River. Okay. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, that's that's awesome for your wedding to be able to have your whole family there because that's such a, you know, a, it's so hard to get that many people on the same page and schedule and everything. Yeah. And it was yeah. great to be able to link that up with your reunion. and. Yeah. The, union was, the reunion was already planned. And yeah. We just sort of superimposed the wedding on that, but my... My siblings were thrilled. Yeah. Well, then you get like, a, I mean, it's really keep, cool because that's like you get then the whole week to kind of celebrate and hang out because, mm-hmm. you know, most weddings you, you have it, it's a few hours long. You say hi, you know, other sides of the families are meeting for the first time and yeah. then it's over and it's done. Like having a whole week to just like enjoy that time. Yeah, it was great. That's a great way to do that. Well, very cool. Um, so... Now we've learned about your family. Um, do you have a career outside of music? I've actually never talked to you about that. I certainly do. Um, okay. And it's transitioned somewhat. But here we go. For 32 years in a row, I was a full-time high school English teacher. Okay. And the first four years were in Ohio, which is where I'm from, Northwest Ohio, Okay. originally. Yeah. Um, and I taught for four years in Toledo, Ohio, two years at a big public high school, two years at an all-boys Jesuit high school, and then that was the connection for 
me getting a job in Tacoma, Washington at the Jesuit high school that's there, Bellarmine Preparatory School. Got it. Okay. And now, um, I guess you can say I retired, at least for the time being, from full-time high school English teaching. All right. And last October... I began substitute teaching over in the Arlington School District. Okay. And I absolutely love it. So here I am, totally at home in the high school classroom. I mostly have taught juniors and seniors, although over my three-plus decade career, I did teach all four grades, Mm -hmm. um, mostly juniors and seniors. And now I can say I've become more comfortable in middle school and also even in the elementary school. In fact, this summer, um, I, we can say I graduated for a moment from substitute teaching, and I was actually a regular classroom teacher in Arlington for their summer literacy camp. Okay. Which, yeah, yeah, they offer that program, great program, um, free for students and encourage for uh, students who are um, struggling, you know, maybe not quite at grade level. Yeah. And uh, it's for students in K through five. I was the teacher of the fourth and fifth grade. So it was fun. Was that a lot different for you? Um, it it wasn't, it wasn't. You know, teaching 10th graders really prepared me well for the 4th and 5th graders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, sorry if any of my <laughs> former 10th graders, unlikely that they would be listening to this. They're down in Tacoma. But um, honestly, that did prepare me well. Yeah. And um, I guess something else about me is I'm always up for, I'm always up for something new. Um, I'm up for something new. I'm up for a challenge, uh, even in my career. Um, I did lots of different things. And what led me to teaching to begin with was there were so many things I loved. I have so many different passions, and I didn't really want to have to give any of them up. Um, And I thought teaching is a way to be able to keep those alive because I'd want to find ways to incorporate music, for instance. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so case in point, last summer when I had the literacy camp, um, these aren't kids who are, you know, you can call it camp, but they know it's summer school. Yeah. And they're, you know, (laughs) they have, let's just say, they have mixed feelings about having to go into a classroom in the summer. So I'd spice it up with a few things to help make it enjoyable and maybe even a little fun. One of those things was I, I acquainted them with the fact that I play the fiddle. Okay. And so, first of all, we would start every day with me playing the national anthem, and they were I, they were so cute it cracked me up. They'd stood up and very, very stoically put their hands over their hearts and, you know, it was the most serious I ever saw them. So that was totally cute. But then um, I shared with them that I could take requests and that I'd love to learn some of their favorite songs. And so 
if any of them wanted to challenge Ms. Campbell to learn a song for the next class and the classes, there weren't many of them. They were three hours long, took place on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. Um, so I had a couple of days. Yeah. If they, and every day they'd give me a different request. Okay. So I learned um, <clears throat> Old Town Road, okay. the song of the summer. Uh, I learned, you know, a lot of their popular songs. Yeah. So it was really, it was really cute. Oh, that's very cool. Yep. That's fun. Yeah. Well, and it's nice too, to be able to throw in a little bit of extra stuff for them because yeah, it's not, I've done summer school. I mean, through college and stuff, I took courses and yeah, you're like, everyone else is enjoying summer right now and I'm going to class. So, yes. you know, adding anything extra to it, like adds that to it. Yeah, so. absolutely. So <clears throat> that brings me around. How did you actually get started with fiddle playing then? Well, in the ni- in the fourth grade, when I was nine years old, uh, the music teachers came to my classroom, and they acquainted all of us with the string family, and I actually started on the viola. Okay. And I played the viola. Um, I don't remember this story, but my parents tell me that at the end of one year, I wanted to quit. And, uh, you know, stringed instruments, violin, viola, probably any of them from the orchestra family are not very forgiving. No, yeah. (laughs) They're kind of rough to begin with. So my parents said, we were were okay with letting you quit after a year. (laughs) They had to hear me practicing in the house. Yeah. And the... My teacher said, absolutely not. Julie's got something. I know it sounds rough right now, but she's she's great. She's right where she should be. She's surging ahead. Do not let her quit. And I couldn't be more grateful. Music's given me so much. So I stayed with it um, and uh, played all through the rest of elementary, junior high, high school, even though I didn't major in music and Mm -hmm. hadn't intended to, uh, I continued in college. And and was this still at the viola throughout that time? This was still the viola. Okay. All viola. Um, On the side, as I played and practiced my orchestra music, and I took, I had a few different private viola instructors. Um, My senior year, I even made it into the Ohio All-State Orchestra. Oh, very cool. And I was seventh chair, and I want to emphasize that. You know, you don't have to be first chair or even in the front row to have music be central to your life and and just stick with it throughout your life. Um, So I was really proud of that. And my parents always just praised me to the skies for for these achievements and didn't, you know, they weren't like, oh, why didn't you get first chair? Um, I was seventh out of 10 and my parents were <laughs> real proud of that uh, in the whole state. So I, I continued it into college and even got a tiny little drop in the bucket scholarship in college, made a lot of music friends. And so that was, um, important to me 
to be mm-hmm. able to have these kind of ready-made <clears throat> connections yeah. when I arrived at the university. It was a wonderful experience. Um, I not only played in the orchestra, but played in, they had an opera series. I played in the pit orchestra for okay. the operas. Yeah. And I remember a f- couple of fun road trips to nearby towns with the opera. So some great memories. Yeah. Um, and yeah, always on the side, I would love to be up in my room and play along with records. And I'd play along with the Beatles, with Jackson Brown. Later when the 80s hit, I'd play with John Cougar Mellencamp, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I just, that's awesome. the B-52s, all sorts of things. Little did I know that was paving the way for a couple of years after I graduated from college. Um, I was teaching in Toledo, at Toledo, Ohio, and the first year I was there, I did play in a a little local community orchestra. That was fun, very Mm -hmm. familiar to me. I'd always been in orchestras. But a buddy of mine acquainted me with a, actually, it's such an intertwined story, Um, a former teacher of his Mm -hmm. at, interestingly, the Jesuit all-boys school, where I would later teach. Yeah. Um, His English teacher, every Thursday night, played out in a local bar. He played the guitar did mostly covers, some originals, and um, had a, a woman who sang amazingly uh, as his as his music partner, and she had percussion instruments that that she also contributed. Yeah. Well, um, they they were known as Tom and Linda, and. Um, I became kind of a groupie, you know, every Thursday night, I just, it was something in the week to look forward to. And there was a nice group of friends who'd go out and, Mm -hmm. and listen to this duo and visit with each other and, and whatnot. And, um, I used to kind of BS around with Tom and say, oh, I should jam with you guys sometime. Not like I'd ever done that beyond jamming alone in my room with my, you know, with, seriously, with vinyl records. And uh, one Thursday during the break, Tom comes over and he says, Julie, Linda's job is sending her away for, uh, you know, to another location. And so I'm going to need another music partner. When can we get together? You said you can jam. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. Let's see if uh, if my my viola hand can uh, can pay on these checks my mouth has written, and um, so he suggested the Bob Dylan Desire album, okay. which is a lot of people I've learned are familiar with that he did um, one. Uh, well, kind of well-known song mm-hmm. um, off of that album is uh, Hurricane, another one, Oh Sister, One More Cup of Coffee. And the woman who sings back up on that, of course, is very well-known, Emmy Lou Harris. Okay, yeah. And um, he suggested a couple of songs off of 
that record. And by gosh, I went home and just, you know, I, I crammed for the test, right? <laughs> we and, and we were good friends, so it wasn't really all that much pressure. Yeah. But uh, the very first song that I ever played in front of anyone else other than just in my room that wasn't orchestra music yeah. was One More Cup of Coffee. Okay. By, by Bob Dylan off of the Desire album. And uh, that's what we opened up with uh, there in the Ottawa Tavern in Toledo, Ohio, um, after after Linda went away. So okay. it was, um, that was the start. Real, I didn't know it at the time, but it was the start of playing with other musicians, yeah. performing in that way. And I I continued that for just the couple more years that I lived in Toledo. And how how was that like? How was the first performance? How did that feel and go? And I absolutely loved it. <laughs> That's kind of what I expected. I absolutely loved it. Again, it was very familiar. It was right there in the you know in the Ottawa Tavern where I'd been going. All my friends were there, um, and uh, and it was great. So. That was actually the second year that I lived in and taught in Toledo. So I was still mm-hmm. at the public school. I then interviewed at the school where my now music partner, mm-hmm. Tom, was the English department chair. And oh, so okay. I'm interviewing for an English position. Yeah. And here I am in the interview, and here's my my music partner as part of the panel interviewing me. So it was an interesting dynamic. Uh, And then the gigs just got super fun because not to say his colleagues had not before come out to see him. Mm -hmm. They had many times, but now they were our colleagues and and we were colleagues. So he was my English department chairperson. Okay. And um, it it was just wonderful. And to me... What impressed me the most and probably kept me in music was that connection among people. Yeah. Um, I find that um, yeah. in the arts that, that seems to be a strong case. Or, and this is, I think this is true among lots of different um, groups of, you know, whether it's um, music or dancing. Because we, my wife and I actually grew, we, when we first started dating, we were going swing dancing every Thursday. Oh. Um, and we went to a uh, Grange and Cedro Woolley and they, they still do that today. Mm-hmm. And, um, we would go dancing, but it's, we would get a good core group of people that we would just go swing dancing with. Yeah. And when we went, went off to college at, in Pullman, um, we got in touch with, um, I forgot, I forgot who, uh, introduced us, but we got, we found out that there was a swing dance group in, uh, Moscow, Idaho, which was right right next door to Pullman. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so we would go over there and, you know, immediately you, you become friends with these people and you're, you get to, you know, dance with them and you're around them all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just, you already have that connection. So then you guys just immediately have our friends and, you know, you get to build that rapport right away. So, um, I find that within the, the arts and, and, and other groups as well, but definitely it's very strong in the arts that, you know, once you find that core, and you have that same interest, it's, it's really easy to build that, those friendships. Absolutely. And when I moved to Tacoma, um, 
there's a actually very well-known cafe in Tacoma, mm -hmm. restaurant, cafe, coffee shop, called the Antique Sandwich Company. Okay. And every, I think it was Tuesday <clears throat> night, they had an open mic, and a lot of folksy acoustic musicians would go out and play, and I went and attended for a while, and it actually was... Um, broadcast on the radio as well and kind of overseen by this organization Victory Music and I've met a couple of people even here on the island who have been part of Victory Music and okay. and have played in the Antique Sandwich Company um, but yes on my viola I would just go up and and play some songs that I'd kind of put together not composed exactly but my arrangements of maybe some celtic songs some folksy songs some rootsy songs that i'd heard and of course an open mic you get maybe three songs you yeah. know yeah. two or three songs and so it was just right but i was i was starting the to establish this network and meeting people and hearing about the kind of music they enjoyed mm -hmm. Little by little, I became aware of bluegrass. And I say aware because once I was aware, I realized it had been all around me all along. Mm -hmm. um, Ohio, uh, Dayton, Ohio, of course, that's more to the south, um, is home, for instance, great bluegrass guy Larry Sparks okay. is from Dayton, Ohio. Um, and a lot of people from Appalachia, uh, kind of migrated north yeah. and they brought that music up north. Um, they'd go up to work in the, uh, auto plants in Detroit mm -hmm. and, but they'd bring their music with them. And yeah. so once I started making these connections in Tacoma through that victory music circle yeah. uh, and the open mic, hearing about their interests in music, which in a lot of cases, yeah, went into the bluegrass. That got me interested. And, um, but I also was raising my kids. And yeah. so, honestly, Brandon, there was, I think, two whole years where I didn't even open the case except my annual tradition the day right before Christmas vacation I would take my viola in and play for my classes because the kids were off the wall yeah <laughs> and I subscribed to the music soothes the savage beast and it was <laughs> true and I'd learned how to play purple haze by Jimi Hendrix on the viola and wow. they absolutely they they were over the moon about that, and they loved it. And um, and that word kind of got out. And it was after this this very dry spell that it was my own students that got me really back into oh, music. That's awesome. A boy comes up to me and says, "Miss Campbell, our theme for homecoming this year is the best homecoming ever." 
and we are we've got big plans and we're going to have a rock concert at the homecoming assembly and <laughs> um he mentioned one of my colleagues um wonderful teachers are such eccentrics i just <laughs> love it i love it i love teachers and teaching um my wonderfully eccentric colleague who is a major who fan they'd gotten him to do most people know this song by the name of Teenage Wasteland. Okay. But it's actually called Baba O'Reilly. Okay. And um, the the boy approached me said, "We've got we've got you know, your colleague to he's agreed to sing Teenage Wasteland and would you please play the gypsy fiddle part at the end? <laughs> Don't say no. You'll be great." He, he reaches into his pocket. He pulls out a cassette tape. He goes, I've got a recording of it here. You'll, you'll be great. And I, I just really couldn't say no. He was so <laughs> enthusiastic and adorable. And so I thought, well, okay, I mean, I, what the heck? And so I did it. And then another colleague of mine's husband who played the guitar mm-hmm. on and off chance happened to be at that assembly um, and we we did feel like rock stars. They had like a fog machine behind us. I didn't, you know, I kind of came down steps at the end of the song with, you know, I had a I had my my viola still okay. amplified. Anyway, this husband of a colleague saw me. Seriously, met me immediately, like sideswiped me after the assembly and said, I play the guitar, let's get together and jam. And so that started me playing again, kind of playing out. And uh, it was within another year of that that I contacted local bluegrass teacher mm-hmm. who um, himself an eccentric and not above teaching me bluegrass on the viola. <laughs> and that sounded kind of funny, but one day I went to my lesson and he was playing a violin yeah. and it blew my mind. And I said, how much would it cost me to get a playable violin? You know, yeah. what do you think? He goes, oh, I've, I've got one in the other room. I'll let you borrow it. And if you uh, like it, I'll rent it to you for 10 bucks a month. I came back to my lesson the next week. He goes, where's the viola? I go, oh, no, Terry. It's all about the fiddle now. <laughs> and and that was it. That was it. I still have my viola. I play it every now and then. But um, I progressed very rapidly on the fiddle. And my teacher, Terry, um, got me connected with a band the Looking Glass Bluegrass Band. Okay. And I was with them for about four years and then was with um, a pretty popular band in the region, Deadwood Revival, for about four years. And we performed quite a bit in in Bellingham, as a matter of fact. In fact, the first time I ever set foot on Camano Island was when I was playing with Deadwood Revival. We'd played a show in Bellingham and one of uh, the bass player in the band, his family has a cabin on Camino. Oh, very cool. So we, after the gig, we came here and crashed in the cabin and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, very just cool. all the connections. So a quick question, and this is probably a really dumb question, but it's one that I always get confused on. 
So a fiddle and a violin are the same instrument, mm-hmm. right? Is there a different, like, is it just style of play or is it the way you tune it or is there... It, it is just style of play. Okay. Yeah, that is it. Now, I, um, I didn't always know what I'm about to share with you um, until I started taking lessons uh, that there's a distinction between bluegrass and old time. Okay. So those are two... So similar but distinct styles of music. And I, I bring that up because if you play the old-time fiddle, there is actually a tradition of what's called cross-tuning so that you would retune the fiddle uh, to allow more access to certain uh, combinations of notes. Okay. But, um, but it's not a tradition in bluegrass to do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you just run with the same. That's that's mm-hmm. interesting. There are some funny answers to that question, though. So what's the difference between a violin and a fiddle? No one cares if a beer gets spilled on a fiddle. That's one. Uh, a violin has strings. A fiddle has strangs. So there's <laughs> those are some those are some differences. But yeah. really it if you're a fiddler then you're playing a fiddle. If you're a violinist, you're playing a violin. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. But it is style of music. Yeah. Both of my girls have um, violins that were handed down to them. I think Mm. they're either half size or three quarters. Mm -hmm. And they keep at, we've been doing piano and we took a break from piano this year and now they're asking when they can start violin. And so, um, but what you mentioned at the beginning of, uh, it's rough in the beginning. (laughs) I'm just a little worried. (laughs) But um, but no, I think at some point we'll definitely have to let them try it out and see how they Absolutely. enjoy it. So. Absolutely. And don't let them quit. Yes. Don't let them quit, even if you want them to. <laughs> Get a soundproof room instead. Yeah, we'll work <laughs> on that. All right. So now <clears throat> I want to tr- uh, change to the South End String Band. Yes. Um, when I guess when did... Um, how did that get started? Well, I happen to have here a book on the South End String Band. It's called South End String Band, The Early Years. (laughs) And it goes way back. It goes way back. So I'd like to read the, uh, from the South End String Band themselves. Yeah. Their their statement about the start of this band. In the beginning, silence covered the earth. No sound emanated from the backwash of Kameno Island. In the spring of 2002, the first noise was heard. It was scratchy and cacophonous. They called this the South End String Band. It was primitive music. Okay, it was pretty awful. A few months later, they were a group of about 15 or so. When the dust finally settled, they had 11, give or take. <laughs> that summer, they played the Taiyi Store parking lot, their first public appearance. The rest, as they say, is the stuff of legend. 
in their minds, at least. <laughs> That's a perfect statement. <laughs> I thought so. I thought so. And, you know, certainly at the advent of that, of that band was um, Eric Schweiger, who is a local firefighter. He's a captain with Kameno Fire. Okay. And uh, that's actually how he, and he plays the fiddle. Um, and he's also a local luthier. So a luthier is one who who makes uh, stringed instruments. Really? So he okay. he actually makes, um, yeah, Eric Schweiger violins. Uh, although he's made at least one viola and maybe a cello, I'm not sure. But his career is he's a firefighter yeah. and recently promoted to captain. Very cool. Um, and uh, my husband, Mike Hilly, on mandolin, uh, met him when he was working with Kameno Fire. So he, uh, his career has been paramedic, um, and he currently is the uh, EMS manager for Whatcom County. So he works up in Bellingham, commutes up there. Not a bad commute. Okay, um, nice. And then... Uh, Undoubtedly, the person who wrote the statement, uh, a real character, Jack Archibald. Yes, okay. And yes, he's a, <laughs> a local glass artist and um, just person about the island, you yep. know, uh, Skeeter Daddle, <laughs> the famed Skeeter Daddle who writes for every issue of the Crab Cracker. Okay. So you can yep. read more of that folksy style of writing in every issue of the Crab Cracker, uh, but he captured the the beginnings of the South End String Band. For myself, I consider myself sort of um, an adjunct member of the group. I don't necessarily play every gig, um, but uh, my first show I played with the South End String Band was at the Floyd Nygaard yeah. Center in town and um, for the Historical Society. And uh, I want to say that was in 2017. Okay. So yeah. it was before you moved here then? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, but all told, I've probably played, oh, just a handful of gigs with them. Okay. So, yeah. And are they still at right around the 11 members? Oh, no, no, they, um, let's see, we've got Jack Archibald on the Clawhammer banjo, Eric Schweiger on the fiddle, Monica Dinasha on the guitar, Don Malox on the bass, Mike Hilly on mandolin, and again, considering myself an adjunct fiddler, the second fiddler, um, myself on fiddle when I can, when I can make it. Yeah, very cool. And we, we actually had uh, Don Malau play the last uh, first Friday here. That's right. Yeah. So and yeah, he was he was great. I wasn't. I had to run off because my wife is out of town. So yeah, I had to go pick up the kiddos. But um, yeah, loved the setup and everything. It was really neat. Awesome. So, um, well, very cool. Um, what is the favorite song you have composed? Uh, and is there a story behind it? Well, funny you should ask. Um, I don't really consider myself a composer. Okay. Uh, but I, 
I liked that question because it reminded me that I actually did write one song. Okay. Uh, way back when on the viola, um, this would have been in the late 80s, I think probably 1988, I wrote an instrumental song and incidentally, I ended up playing it for very dear friends' wedding and those friends who now live uh, north of Portland, um, they actually are going to be visiting me and Mike. They're arriving later today. Oh, very cool. <laughs> so they're still together. It was a great song. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was the song that uh, did it. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, you know, just a, a very soulful kind of, folksy, Celtic-y sounding song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the fellow who I was first in a duo with, um, I contributed some input on a song, I guess that we wrote together, um, called Night Train. Uh, so I, I did help with that. But other than that, honestly, Brandon, I, um, you know, you don't quite call bluegrass traditional songs, mm -hmm. cover tunes. You know, I play covers. They're not exactly covers. You always put your own twang to it. But, yeah, you put your own, as it were, yes, <laughs> the own twang. Um, but I play, I do play a lot of traditionals. Um, fiddle tunes, uh, if you go, this, one of the things I love about, about bluegrass is... Um, you go to a festival, uh, and there was a great one. Um, I highly recommend it. It'll be an annual festival in this area uh, outside of Bellingham at the Deming Log Show grounds. Okay. Um, it was just a couple weeks ago. And what, what was it called? Um, the North Cascades Bluegrass Festival. Okay. So there were... Literally hundreds of people camping in yes. their mostly RVs and trailers uh, and some tents. Hundreds of people camping and then visiting around, going around to all the campsites and jamming with people. And you learn new songs because people have their specialties that they play. And um, there's a there's this whole system of numbers mm -hmm. that you come to learn that helps guide the ability to jam with other people. It's called the Nashville number system. Okay. And so you could say to someone, okay, this next tune, it's in A. Uh, it starts on the four, and then it goes four, one, five, one. Uh, at the chorus, it's on the one goes to the four, then the five, back to the one. And this makes sense to the people who are there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this it's like a different makes, language. It is a different language. And so you do not see people at these jams typically with their, with their head in written music. You'll see notebooks. Um, you might see some charts. You might see some music. It's okay. No one's going to look askance. Um, but a lot of people, uh, you know, as, as you may expect, there are a lot of retirees who are into this because they, you know, they travel all over and go to these different festivals. Um, 
So the need for anyone to have words printed out <laughs> is, you know, the struggle is real on remembering words. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the way that people come to learn these songs is really through knowing chords, knowing keys, and knowing that Nashville number system. Yeah. Well, that, that's very cool. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Um, so were you guys there to just hang out? Uh, well, I was actually playing with on stage in a band that I perform with sometimes in the area called Heron and Crow. Okay. And they're a, they're a bluegrass band, but they also, um, kind of the band leader, guitarist Stephen Dolmetz, yeah. uh, is a wonderful, wonderful songwriter. And so that band, a feature of that band, is they do a lot of original songs by Stephen. Okay. And so that is always a real treat to play with them. Um, he's actually in Barcelona now for uh, three and a half months. Wow. And uh, But when he gets back in December, I'll be performing with them again at Anelia's Kitchen in La Conner. Okay, yeah. Um, and I performed with them at Boundary Bay Brewing um, and Colshan Brewing yeah. up in Bellingham. Very cool. Yeah. And the Rockfish in Anacortes. So I guess a couple of times. Okay. And then my band that I perform with um, pretty frequently, uh, including next weekend, I think if Friday is the 20th, mm -hmm. next Friday the 20th, I'll be at Boundary Bay Brewing with the High Mountain String Band. And, um, you know, uh, you can look them up online they have a website and they they do list me as the fiddle player so well, there, <laughs> there you, you go i've in a year out <clears throat> in this area i've made some wonderful connections and again i i come back to that's that's what music is really about is um i think even people who don't play music mm -hmm. music connects them you know, if you're meeting people for the first time, yeah. if there's music playing or you can go to a performance together, right. that is a fast track to really being able to connect with people, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and it's, it's, it's very interesting if you ever get into like this study of like the psychology of music, of like what it does to the brain and all that stuff. Yes. I've listened to some podcasts and interviews and stuff about that and just the just how it influences like there's been certain like dictatorships and stuff where they crack down on music because they realize that's what makes movement happen in different yes. things um so it's just it's fascinating how yeah. it's something that we've you know everyone listens to it at some point you hear it a lot of times it's more background but then it's it can completely change how you who you know how you feel your mood all these different things and so yes. yeah no it's very very cool um well um, I always end the podcast with some rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, and so I wanted to jump into those. So the first one is, do you have a lesser known or hidden location on Camino that you like to hang out? Well, I thought about that and it was about this time last year. And of course, last year at this time, it was the first September that I had not been in a school situation. Yeah. Since before I was five years old. 
Because <laughs> I'd, <laughs> I'd always either been a student, mm-hmm. always. I went straight to college from high school. I actually signed my first teaching contract before I graduated from college. So every fall, every September, there I was in the classroom. So a special, special place on Kameno Island for me is down at Kameno State Park. Mm-hmm. And if you, um, if you park in, there's a, there's a certain parking lot that if you yeah. park in it and you can kind of walk down these stairs mm-hmm. to the beach yep. and go off to the right and there's driftwood and um, it's just kind of got this, it's got this hidden cove quality to it. Yeah. I went all on my own on a Friday in September and it was intensely sunny and I had a blanket and some snacks and a book and I just sat myself right down on that beach um, and really enjoyed this this Kameno Island home. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, another place that I discovered recently, and I don't know that either of these are necessarily hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure others know the wonders of Kameno State Park, Kama Beach State Park as well, both wonderful places I love to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recently discovered the Iverson Spit. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. like, beach. It's like our only, quote-unquote, sandy beach on Kameno because most of them are pebble beaches. Yeah, um, I absolutely And then they've got it. that trail in the back if you ever go to the Hobbit Trail. Now, I've heard about that, but yeah. I haven't. Uh, that's, that's next on my list. Yeah, it's um, I, actually my wife and I did our wedding photos Throughout there and at Iverson Beach, but oh, nice. that that little trail is is really neat. When you walk through it, it really does feel like you're walking through a Hobbit trail. Or like the the trees, everything is grown up and over you. Oh wow! And um, it's just a great trail, and especially when you go in summer and it's like really hot outside. You walk through it, it just immediately cools down, mm-hmm. and it's just such a nice little trail. So I, I love wow. that. Wow! So it's fun. Yeah, definitely check that out. Um, all right. Uh, pretend you have a friend uh, who is coming from out of town. What would the first day on Kameno look like here? Well, and it's not simply because I'm sitting here talking with you, Brandon, but I recently saw the beautiful pastries downstairs, Mm -hmm. and I'm well acquainted with the wonderful coffee and coffee creations right here at Kameno Roasters Mm -hmm. and... I would either get said pastries and we would have some in my home Mm -hmm. uh, or we would trek because I just live around the corner from here. I'm very close, Um, but we would have to make those pastries part of the start of our day. Yeah. And uh, then... I'm not sure I could do all of these things in one day, but it's a hypothetical question, so <laughs> I'm allowed. Uh, I would have to include um, Tapped, mm-hmm. which, of course, I recently discovered because it's a recent addition. Yeah. Uh, I'm sort of addicted to the bacon jam burger. Yes. It's so amazing. So, And it's just a great place. Went it is. there with some friends 
not too long ago. We had a great time. So that would be included. And then beyond that, um, and I have had, you know, some out-of-town friends and family <laughs> have come. And uh, typically we have gone to Camino State Park mm -hmm. and walked around there. Um, a little plug for Cama Beach. They have a wonderful music series. Okay. And I've a couple different when I um when you first asked that I thought of times when I've had out of town guests yeah. and it's happened to coincide with a performance at Cama Beach. Do they have certain days of the week they do it or I these were both I think on a Friday. I'm not actually I'm not sure. I just know that they quite evidently have a commitment to hosting music. That's um, awesome. So, yeah, yeah. we've seen um, a, actually a, a wonderful fiddle and flatfoot dancing group. It was, that was great. Um, and some friends of ours, actually, that we met through the whole bluegrass thing, a duo called Squirrel Butter, there's a okay. name, um, we saw them perform there, and actually the South End String Band plays there, uh, or has played there annually for the quilts on the beach, as well as the Christmas um, concert, Christmas celebration that they have in December. So okay. anyway, Cama Beach, I love um, because they seem to have music pretty regularly. Yeah. So those things, and now that I've discovered the Iverson Spit, I would take them and I'd say, let's find this Hobbit Trail. So. Yeah. That's great. All right. <clears throat> um, who is a fascinating or interesting person in this community that I should interview next? Well, I think... I have several answers to that question, but I really want to focus on one person. Um, her name is Lynn Ayers, and she's the executive director of the Stanwood Camino Food Bank. Oh, okay. So something that I didn't even get into is that I've... I've been a volunteer at the Stanwood Camino Food Bank. Okay. I can't say enough good about it. Um, and I, I volunteer regularly during the summer. Now that I'm a sub, um, I, I still volunteer, but they're okay with me dropping in as, you know, as I'm able to. Yeah. So um, I typically volunteer on Wednesdays, which is one of their serve days. And it's just wonderful to be able to interact with the other volunteers there who are committed to making a positive difference for our friends and neighbors in need. Mm -hmm. um, and I just have always felt very strongly about the importance of giving back to a community, making a positive difference. Um, and I've been so impressed with the Stanwood Camino Food Bank and yeah. everything that they do. Uh, wonderful bunch of people. If anyone's listening, they always need volunteers. Yeah. They currently especially need volunteers from 2 to 4 on Friday afternoons to help stock 
for the Saturday morning serve. So they have a number of serves each week. Um, and uh, that's, that's a need that they have. But the thrift store, everything that the thrift store sells helps to fund the food bank. Um, and it's just, again, I'm just so impressed with that operation um, and feel a strong commitment to social justice mm -hmm. uh, and caring, caring for other people. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, yeah, See no. if you can contact Lynn. Yeah, so I've, I've been in touch with her um, for different things in the past, and yeah, I'd definitely love to get her on the podcast. Yeah. So, all right. And then uh, lastly, uh, if you could have a message on a billboard on Kameno Island right as you're driving up onto the island, what would you have that say? Want to learn how to play fiddle? <laughs> contact Julie at... FiddlinJ at gmail.com. All right. F-I-D-D-L-I-N-J at gmail.com. Perfect. So I'll have I'm that in right, the show notes. Yeah, I'm right here on, uh, I'm right here on Kameno and can work with people's individual schedules um, as well as my own schedule. Yeah. Uh, but we'd love to uh, pick up some some additional students. Yeah. How long have you been doing teaching? Um, I mean, in fiddling. <laughs> yeah, fiddle teaching. Often on, um, often on for, gosh, well, with fiddle, often on for 15 years. Oh, okay. But even before then, um, I remember I taught a couple of people back when I played the viola. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Cool. And what, what age group do you normally, what would you say is a starting age for fiddle playing? Um, gosh, I've, I've taught um, primarily adults, but, you know, I, I look to my own experience as far as learning a stringed instrument, mm -hmm. eight, nine years old, even younger, mm -hmm. even younger. Um, but... Yeah, I've had great luck. Uh, okay. My, my best student, a young woman who, she's a high school English teacher. She joked, I really want to become just like you, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> but she, uh, she inherited a family fiddle and had never so much as picked it up. Yeah. And so I took her from that point all the way to the crowning achievement was she was able to participate in a jam at the Darrington Bluegrass Festival All right. a few years ago. And um, that was, of course, very gratifying to her. Yeah. And um, so anyway. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> very cool. Well, <clears throat> um, before I let you go, um, it's just been, I want to let you know, like, with with first friday it was something we wanted to start yeah. um, the first of every month and just kind of have a community night and that during that time that was we started that right as um naked city had had to close um yes. from circumstances and so um and so it was kind of like oh no like a lot of the options of community and within the complex that stay open late yeah. um were gone during that time um and and then i was kind of branching out into something that i'd never tried as far as like you know just starting a community night and not knowing what to expect or anything. And, um, it was, it's been so nice having you there, uh, so mm -hmm. many of them, 
And um, regardless if we have one or ten people, like you're the same you, and you just have such great energy that you bring to the place. And um, I really enjoyed having you here. And uh, I'm glad you joined me on the podcast today. Oh, thank you, Brandon. Yeah, Yeah. it's my pleasure as well. All right. Well, thank you so much. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Julie Campbell for joining us on the podcast. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to know more information about this podcast or previous episodes, go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.